All right, I'm going to hit the button. What do we hit the button? Do we have anyone else coming? I think it's just us. Just us. Everybody Mama else mia. is just Noah, get the boat. Get the boat. <laughs> Noah, get the boat. I've That's got right. a giant uh, schematic database of boats. Mm, yeah, it needs a lot of space. We get missed it. the news last week. So, wait, you, have you uh, given up on satellites? Is that is that what's happening? Oh, no, just expanding? No, no, no. no I, I plan to connect to the satellites with my boats. Oh, that's so oh, okay. Now it's coming together. Will be established between the boat and the satellite. The Starlink for your boat. Honestly, I'm really waiting for that. I think it's going to be a big market for them. It should be. Mar- maritime uh, satcom on the uh, on the Starlink. They actually have um for uh, for ships. They have uh like a uh, it's a like a gyro or a gyro like a uh, a self a self guided or a self centering um, system so that when the boat moves the uh, dish doesn't move at all. Right. That's and, like a gyroscope, I think. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Yeah. I call it gyro, but gyroscope, I think, is actually the word. But Not the sandwich. The yeah, but it's like a euro. Mechanical. It's a euro. It's a euro. My favorite, my favorite <laughs> Italian dish. A euro, right? So, um... Mamma mia! <laughs> it's, uh... It, like, centers itself in the boat, right? And it's it's usually on, like, a dome. That's why she like, these domes, right? So they can move around and, you know, kind of point itself without tracking. Um, but... Alright, so now, after boat facts, why don't you run the intro, Ralph? Welcome to Black Hills Information Security, talking about the news. I'll be your host today, Ralph May, and I am joined by a all-star studded cast of the most handsome and probably coolest people you'll ever meet in the world. <laughs> are That's they right. backstage? Where are they, Ralph? Yeah, I know. <laughs> They're going to come on any minute now. Bring them we on have, out. We have Ryan, who's uh, making us sound good. Um, without him, we would all sound bad and nothing would work, and then you wouldn't be able to see our pretty faces. And then we have Noah, who is actually um, building a boat right now. And also, he's got blinky lights in the background. We were just talking about that. So now he's fitting in with the club. And then we have Corey, who lost his mustache or whatever he was wearing. I'm not really sure. It was I don't even filter. know what you're talking about. It was about. a filter, right? Wasn't a filter. Yeah, that was, a, that was an overlay. Yeah, no, this is what AI is bringing to us. Really bad filters, right? Or really good or, I don't know, just mixed up. So anyways, welcome. We missed the news last week. We missed you all. We did. We did. Yeah, what happened last week? Oh, yeah, there was we Memorial had a day event. off last week is what happened. Yeah, mm-hmm. but we still missed everyone, Ryan. You got to lie to the audience. You have to tell them. Well, the technically, truth. that's true. Yeah, well, we, we missed them because we I weren't here. The news. Um, so what happened? Did it? Did anything happen? That's uh, the other thing that's amazing about world? this newscast. None of us are ready. None of us are prepared, but we're going to talk about. No, what I mean, ha- like, what is the, Ralph hit us with some news is EVGA. Sending out free shirts for bug bounties now? Because I see you got an EVGA shirt there. No, I got an EVGA <laughs> shirt because I was in the queue for 19 months or whatever it take, <laughs> took, right? They literally send you a shirt when they finally do send you a GPU overpriced as like a consolation prize for just sticking it out. You know what I'm saying? That's how I got this shirt, in case anyone cares. So yeah, I wasn't a, a bug bounty. It's a pity shirt is what It's a saying. pity shirt. Yeah, they felt bad for me. So they sent me a shirt. Uh, yeah, I don't know what did happen last week. First, we got to follow up with ongoing stories. Elon Musk and Twitter. I mean, I'm not following this. I have no idea what's going on. 
Does anyone know what's going on? Apparently, he's like, I will buy you. I won't buy you. I actually will. No, I won't. It was all I, a ploy. Uh, uh, he never was going to buy it. It's, another, it's a, it was another pump and dump. It's a pump right. and dump. Yeah, this Are, is, isn't he like being sued by people for like depressing the value of the stock? I think he is. I think he is. Uh, I think he is over the breach, whatever. Uh, or breach he threatens contract. to scrap the deal. I feel like that's only the 10th time he's done that. This really feels like Dogecoin, but just change it for Twitter. I don't know. Oh, is he going to buy all of Dogecoin? <laughs> no, but he keeps talking about it the same way he keeps talking about buying Twitter, right? I don't know. Whatever. At this point, I don't care. Just do it. Do something. Just commit. He's yeah, committing I, to toying with everybody. Yeah, I do. I think that the thing that like really sets off my BS detector is just like, so he has to know inherently know that there's a certain amount of fake accounts right mm -hmm. and i feel like the whole like whoa there's fake accounts like anytime you walk in you see how the sausage is made you shouldn't be like oh i'm backing out there's fake accounts i mean i guess maybe it implies and i feel like this is what news agencies are doing as taking it as a sign that it implies that there's like half the accounts are fake or something like yeah um, you know like it's a crazy number but i feel like it's more I could be wrong, but I could feel like he's using it as an excuse because the stock market has tanked so much since the offer. Mm -hmm. uh, his, mm -hmm. you know, his well, stocks and his personal wealth has gone down by so much that he's just kind of like, actually, maybe this was a bad idea. At the risk of sounding stupid, I guess you can't sound as, stupid as, on a, this as, a, as a Twitter user. Like it wasn't a surprise to me to find out that there was some fake accounts on Twitter, and we all know that Elon is definitely involved on Twitter, so. You think is this, he's like, fake how is this a surprise? Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, who knows? I mean, Apparently, he he's also he literally like paid like ten thousand dollars for some kid who had a fake account that tracked his jet around. So I no, mean, he didn't pay it. Famously, oh, he didn't pay it. He whatever. didn't pay it, but then he was about to buy the whole thing for forty four B just to shut it down, right? <laughs> um, but yeah, no, the um, yeah, the the thing about this is that. It is so weird, and we don't know the details. And apparently, he's violating the NDA that they had for talking about the bot accounts in the first place. So it's he really funny. doesn't like rules. Do you know that? Yeah. Notice that? I think he really just has is a very impulsive person because he knows he can get away with it, right? I guess. Well, right. but he he actively goes out of his way to find the loopholes in the role in the rules. Like he, he, that's pretty obvious to see. So I he's mean, a pen tester. This is like the guy who's read every terms of service I think ever, and he he takes advantage of that. That's fun. Mm. So anyway, nothing has actually happened, but there's like these articles about it. No news is good news, but let's talk about more news. <laughs> Apparently he's threatening to back out, which he has been threatening to back up for, you know, a while now. Do you, so. Yeah. Do you guys want to talk about this uh the CVE twenty twenty two six or two six one three four that everyone knows about exclusively? Uh what? Oh, is that the, is that the Microsoft one? <laughs> no. Well so all right, that brings up two good points. I we, don't memorize C V E numbers. Yeah. We did. We did have. Um, oh, is this, this isn't the. It's not. Oh, it's the Confluence one. Okay. Yes, it's the Confluence one. I was going to say we did have two big ones, right? Because you brought up the Microsoft. So there was a CVE, a zero day vulnerability, and Confluence server, and it was actively being exploited. This was a. Was it a, a authentication bypass? Hold on. It's. It's. It was. It, bad. It's bad. It's bad. It, it is remote code execution, so it's an RCE. Yeah, it's like the classic. Uh, I guess it on, honestly looks like shell shock to me. Is what it looks like. It, it's yeah. basically 
it was um, a pretty easy check too. I think it there was a uh, you could pretty much throw a um, serialized data at it and get some response back. So you could get a X command header, X command response header back, and you could start reading, you know, stuff like executing commands, right? So yeah, so um, this is extremely bad. bad, extreme, you know, zero day posted publicly, and it's been yeah. like I will say, people reacted. It got a lot of publicity. People reacted pretty quickly. It got blocked by Cloudflare. Yep. So Cloudflare customers that are using their uh, services uh, for proxy will not be affected by this issue. But obviously, they should still patch because nothing's perfect. But yeah, pretty bad. Definitely situation normal. If you have Confluence and you're somehow living under a rock and this is your source of actual news, <laughs> please go patch. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And find a secondary so, news source. Should I go in there and ask Atlassian what they're doing about it? <laughs> um, yeah, you should. You should. So, so Ian, we, are you at the RSA? Are you live? I, I am live in front of Moscone South for RSA 2022, where um, basically there's a gravitational pull of salespeople uh, and dollars rolling into San Francisco. Absolutely, uh, we are doing Ian, a live roving report. Buzzword counters are up at up ten yeah, percent. What are yours at? Buzzword right Absolutely. now. Absolutely. Uh, well, the, the head buzzword is actually around inventory and also automation. So when you come into the airports, you will see no shortage of uh, clip art, of robots, and other automation that has absolutely nothing to do with any sort of real <laughs> function. So as long as a cartoonish robot saying that it can automate all your problems uh, is for you, then uh, it is in that building and it is ready to receive a PO. So, absolutely. Wow. Some people say that they've actually automated Synergy in there. Is that a false report? Uh, well, it is not a false report. They have automated some Synergies. However, some Synergies have been moved to Q2 of 2023. Mm. So, uh, yeah. partial synergistic ML AI uh, confluence <laughs> uh, happening inside many of the systems available there. So, But if you speak to any of the, uh, the people that are there in the booths, they will tell you that the new uh, lightweight agent will fix that. Wow. Oh, yeah. You got to have a lightweight agent nowadays. Yeah. I had some heavyweight agents and I just got rid of them. I thought we were going towards agentless. I thought that was the whole yeah, thing. Yeah, it's, it's actually really impressive. It is agentless agents. Um, basically, oh. it's an agent that deploys an agentless function that is then managed by an agent agentlessly. Uh, mm. It's very impressive. Uh, it's uh, and you can see it all there, fidget spinners and everything. It's amazing. Wow. wow. So we have a yeah, no. This is a false report, but I heard that RSA what? might be changing their name to AES. Uh, I'm I'm not certain yet. I, I do know that as we go through the floors and whatnot, a lot less talk about crypto and blockchain and, and more back to the classic algorithms. So I think they're not changing it to AES. Um, it might be changing to the Caesar Conference. Uh, in which everything <laughs> will be nothing but Caesar Cipher. Caesar uh, Cipher, yeah. Very hard yeah, to decode. Yeah, we know that's it. cryptographically yeah. secure for sure. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. Well, th I mean, thanks for your report, Ian. Are you going to stick around or do you want us to... Uh... Oh, absolutely. Uh, no, um, I will probably head inside and if we see anything interesting... Yeah, that'd be awesome. Uh, I'll just jump right back on cam and we can, we can talk to folks and Strand, see what's happening. find John Strand, I'm not yeah, sure if that's John too tall of an order, there. but there is a John Strand person inside the rsa conference he might be automated he might be agentless that'll be yes. up to you to find out one of the john uh, strands anyway one of the john strands 
Um, uh, I can see if I can get get him on the news too. (laughs) I'm still man. Wouldn't that be great? Uh, I mean, it is San Francisco, so I mean, there might be some models around here. I don't know. (laughs) Very, very posh, very nice looking place. So. Either yeah. way, if I see them, I will get them to model something, whether it be modeling agentless deployments of AI ML malware or uh, malware that's been AI agently de- agentlessly deployed. Uh, we'll, we'll see what comes out of uh, RSA 2022. Well, luckily, yeah. we, are getting, support, we are getting this... some questions from the audience, Ian. Like, is oh, that please, all yeah. those agentless servers? Are they? Uh, is it serverless code as well? Um, not only is it serverless code, but it is codeless pseudocode. Um, essentially, you take a number of interns and just have them shout into Discord, and then an AI ML module takes those audio waves and turns them into stack overflow searches. Wow. That, that is, is that next is level automation right there. In. I would say, yeah, yeah I know, it's incredible. Yeah. Honestly, though, thanks for checking in. I'm glad that our news report is not agentless because we have Agent Ian on the site. So Yes, yes absolutely. absolutely. So, uh, yes, reporting live from RSA 2022. There's more glass in that building than there is in any single pane of glass. (laughs) Any single pane. Yeah, no, there's many single panes. It's a multi-single pane redundant environment. (laughs) Absolutely. There's a lot of pain in that building. (laughs) There is. There's there's a lot lot of pain pain in that building. Hopefully, yeah, I'm going to go in and experience some of it. So I might jump back in if the newscast is still going. Just just let us know if you want us to cut to you for the uh, Synergy Weather (laughs) Podcast. Absolutely. Absolutely. Excellent. See you guys in a bit. Well, wow, wow. Good thing we, our news isn't agentless. I know, right? We have reporters in the field. I mean, we are a news show. We so are. We, we're actually yeah. getting to be somewhat professional at this point. Yeah. All right. On that note. On that note. <laughs> really bringing so, back. So did you all? Did you all see the news uh, about Mandiant possibly and the latest Ooh, from the ransomware yeah. district? That's a spicy boy. Yeah, the oh, ransomware. The, the ransomware. supposed threatened ransomware of mandiant is this real is it not has anyone what do you got for us tell us the news yeah that's the thing we don't totally know but this is this is breaking news um there is actually some articles on it when i first saw this come in uh there was not articles on it just twitter post about it so uh right yeah now it's now it's somewhat official that there is no evidence that they were hacked um by by lockbit so but lockbit is supposedly claiming to have compromised the mandiant website so um, oh. We'll keep you appraised as the situation develops, but so didn't wasn't there a Mandiant compromise a couple of years ago where their like weaponized exploits were leaked and stuff? Well, there was a FireEye one. The so. FireEye, yeah, yeah. Is Fire... it not the same thing? I am not keeping track of these companies. Oh my god, it's like bingo, man. Just like... How many times has Mandiant been bought and sold over the last it... five years? <laughs> There's the whipping boy of uh, security. Right, let's see who owns Mandiant. Oh no, here we go. It's, now it's not VMware. It. it could be. Um, <laughs> what do you call it? Um, which, um, coincidentally enough, VMware also got bought by Broadcom uh, last week. That was the other thing that happened. I don't know if we talked. We, we didn't talk about that, right? Um, so no, VMware- because lastly we we weren't we were not. Yeah, here. that's right. No, I'm saying I, I think it was last week that it happened. We didn't talk about it before, but yeah, uh, Broadcom bought. VMware, which uh, God rest your soul, everyone who happens to be using VMware right now, prepare for subscription models and other things. To- so wait, why would Broadcom do that? Don't they like sell CPUs and stuff? They are expanding into destroying other companies. <laughs> <laughs> who else have they acquired? I, I, that's the point. That's the point. They've acquired a lot of other companies, but no one knows about them anymore. Are Actually, they just 
No, yeah, hold on, hold on. There is one other company that they did acquire that you probably have heard of called Semantic and didn't work out so hot. So. But wait, they has what are you talking about, dude? They they put crypto miners in the eight in the ah, that's right. They did <laughs> they did well okay, so uh uh Broadcom did buy VMware, which in turn they bought Carbon Black. So right. um yeah, that's another thing too. Yeah, so it's a whole it's a whole thing, right? This is so, so be this, prepared this, for your carbon black instance to get crypto miners installed. Yes, into it crypto mining carbon black. They will not only find the miners, but they will install them as well. Well, so the thing just is, to though, is that check. a lot of crypto miners will actually check for other crypto miners as it is. Like you get like virus protection from crypto miners. So that's what I've been using. Right? Yeah. So yeah, to fact check ourselves, Mandiant in December thir- 2013, which is a long time ago, was acquired by FireEye. But then in March 2022, which is recently, they were acquired by Google, the old Googs, for $5.4 billion and it integrated into Google Cloud's divi- Google's cloud division. So, Mandy, it's owned by Google now? Yeah, they're owned wow. by Google. Wow. You're right. They have been really sold around. They really have. And then also, like we were talking about Carbon Black, Carbon Black got bought by VMware. Then VMware got bought by Broadcom. So the, the name well, at this VMware point is... VMware was owned by Dell owned by, EMC they were owned for by a Dell. while. Yeah. So, well, okay, Dell, so, they were owned by Dell EMC, but yeah. So when you install it, when you install it, it should be VMware, Carbon Black, Dell EMC, Broadcom agent? Yes. Okay. Well, they're, they're not That's... still owned by Dell EMC. Uh, Dell sold them um, or, or sold a bunch of their stock. And then... VMware was its own thing for a minute, and then it became not. Yeah, so Mandiant, we hope you aren't hacked. Yes, we do hope. VMware, Mandiant. We, we hope that you're not really bought by Broadcom. I, I think that one's really, kind of set in stone. Yeah, that one no. is kind of set in stone. Actually, <laughs> you never there was know. A they could always back out. They could always no. back out of the contract due to They could always issues. get out. There actually was a clause in the contract that said, and this is true, that if someone else were to offer more money for them that... Broadcom would get the opportunity to match the offer. So, okay, someone tweet at Elon Musk and tell him instead to buy <laughs> VMware and open source everything. Just open source all of VMware. Right? Right? Tweet I mean, that. we know it's just Red Hat <laughs> under the hood, right? I mean, it's gotta be. Yeah, totally. So, anyways, yes. So, um, hopefully anyway, I see there's an article about Cobalt Strike. We gotta cover it. Is there? Yeah. What's Cobalt Strike? Fake Windows exploits target InfoSec community with Cobalt Strike. Oh, did we the talk official about this whipping last boy, time? The official the Cobalt Strike, the official whipping boy of malware analysts everywhere. Yes, yes. I feel like this is like your first time catching somebody doing something. You're like, oh, Cobalt Strike. That's bad. I do think it's, you know, this is why people are paranoid, right? They're, they're very paranoid because a threat, and this is, I guess demonstrates how they should be paranoid because someone targeted security researchers with fake exploits that infected them with agents in Cobalt Strike. So <laughs> it's pretty funny because I was reading this thinking you're advertising like free Cobalt Strike licenses, but you're actually just actually hacking people with Cobalt Strike. Well, no, they're advertising right. free remote code execution exploits. Proof of concept. <laughs> Proof of concept, CVE. So yeah, this is a good example of security uh, hackers, security researchers, whatever you want to call them, pen testers, consultants, whatever, can be targeted by malware. Isn't that crazy? Well, and this isn't the first time we've seen this. There was a uh, period of time, there was another group that was doing uh, 
pen testing tools. Uh, it wasn't, they were like already free tools. It was like uh, bad versions of Nmap and stuff like that. Right. But if you didn't We've go to the official though. download site, like if you didn't go to the official download site though, and you downloaded these and they, they were being used all over the place. Um, so yeah, definitely be careful with the tools that you're downloading and using because the, the concept is in fact that, you know, well, if you're using these kind of tools, you probably have access to a certain level of, you know, restricted information. So. I mean, it, it, it's like the classic, you know, Metasploit was invented so that you could have exploits that weren't backdoored and, you know, broke your system. And now, you know, I guess free iPads just aren't cutting it anymore. You got to yeah. go with free POCs. POCs. I mean, think about it, man, because people there are they are these hackers trying to hack more hackers, right? I, I mean, I will say it is kind of like I feel like we've kind of gotten in a scenario where the infosec community is someone at fault here where like anytime a new vulnerability comes out, the clients and everyone is like, Hey, can you exploit this? Hey, Hey, <laughs> Hey, everyone, can you exploit this? And we're like, well, hold on. We don't even know what it is. Like Dude, but it then has been probably... out for six hours. Give us yes. a minute. Well, instead of, well, you can do that or you can just Google it and then download everything and run it against the client network and then infect yourself with a cobalt strike. <laughs> yeah. True. So, Which yeah, actually... I mean, I was going to say it's hard as an attacker if someone asks you, "Hey, you need to validate this. We're, you know, we need to see if we're vulnerable to this or whatever." You're you're hunting for these POCs. You're you're kind of it's similar to, you know, people who get social engineered and they get, you know, they feel like they're they're scared, they're worried, they feel like they owe money to the IRS or whatever and then they get taken for a ride and scammed out of thousands of dollars. So this is kind of that. I feel like as a community we need to give give the attackers time to actually read the code and validate whether it's a real exploit or if it is malicious and um mm-hmm. i mean yeah. i will say as an as you know as a red teamer or whatever you want to call it don't just run random executable files that you download like maybe build it yourself read yeah. through the source code if it's, a, if it's a python script and you don't understand it step back right also <laughs> security is a small enough community just yeah. run only run pocs from people you know i mean <laughs> i only send malware to Corey. <laughs> Ralph only sends me malware, and I trust everything he sends. That's why I've been infected 14 times with 14 different crypto miners. Oh, man. Your your machines really need a GPU upgrade, man. That explains that all time. the power usage. It's time, dude. GPUs are down. There's actually an interesting debate, speaking of Cobalt Strike, uh, when I say interesting, and then I'm going to follow along with Twitter, and no, it wasn't that Elon Musk is maybe not going to buy Twitter. It was that um, they were talking about uh, Cobalt Strike and like kind of uh, whether it's dead or not, right? Like, you know, not to use Cobalt Strike, in, even though it's like the favorite threat actor now platform because it got leaked in some way, shape or form. But, you know, since EDR and all the other fun stuff and it's the, the point being is that Cobalt Strike is like the favorite whipping boy of um, bad threat actors and also of red teamers for a while, right? Yeah, I mean, I will say this is a, an interesting attack because it it you probably the the assumption from the attacker is probably that the person has either configured exceptions for cobalt strike <laughs> or that's my payload or doesn't have any av or edr at all because if they're running cobalt strike on their machine then hack naked they, they have to have something disabled or lastly they just expect cobalt strike to be running at all times <laughs> so they don't know you know they, they're uh, like beacon.exe. Yeah, that's me. I'm just testing a payload, right? Yeah, I'm um, testing it permanently. So, I mean, that's the other thing is really if you are going to run, if you're going to test some of these, you know, totally unvalidated exploits from GitHub or wherever, maybe consider doing it in a sandbox style environment with an offline, you know, take it, you know, do basic, handle it like it's real malware 
if you don't know where it came from or what it does. Or just unleash it on a client network and beacon a bunch of client machines. What could go wrong? I mean, make make security worse by trying to make it better, I guess. Classic. Uh, one thing I would add to your point, Ralph, I mean, it, I, I, this isn't totally my forte, but, but I think we see it in the news money of, you know, uh, attacks still going on with Cobalt Strike. I wouldn't say that it's a completely dead technique because we emulate the actual attacker's uh, methodology some, so... Well, yes, I think it gets detected more than some uh, because it just was so popular. I think it's still a valid uh, technique. Namely in the fact that if you can't detect Cobalt Strike, you've got problems. Yeah, well, that that was kind of the uh, the Twitter like uh, thread, right? They were like, oh, well, not necessarily that you can't detect it, but that because it become you know so uh, ubiquitous that everybody was like just detecting it, right? Like that, and that, you know, as red teamers are, you know, in trying to emulate advanced threats, just kind of moving off of it, right? Because it, the shell code is signature to the nines. And then the other question is kind of like, well, what's the other options and, you know, why and all the other fun stuff. So, um, I mean, it's I be- personally, it- personally, I would say that the fact that it's so heavily signatured is almost a plus at this point because, yeah. If you walk into, I mean, if you're going for pure evasion, like if your goal is do not be detected in any case, and that's the client's goal for the engagement, then it's going to be really hard to operate with Cobalt Strike. Yeah. But honestly, that's kind of a waste of time and money in most cases. So running the Cobalt Strike agent, making sure it's detected, and then just having them turn it in alert-only mode or whatever, if you don't test for that, I feel like you are legitimately missing a huge part of the engagement because... It is used by real attackers. It is used by real malware campaigns. And so you need to make sure they're detecting it. So in my opinion, even if it's being detected, that isn't necessarily a negative. It's almost a plus because it shows, hey, your security controls are functioning as intended, which is an important part of a security assessment, in my opinion. But I get people that are all focused on, oh, it's only about the capability of the tools and I need to go in completely dark, no detections, run the engagement for three weeks and then tell the client, ha ha, we got you. We hacked you so hard. You didn't even see it. I, I don't think that engagement is super valuable in most cases, uh, unless the client has said like, we want to actually be tested for dwell time and detected and all that stuff. So I guess that's my take on it. The more it gets detected, it might not be useful as an operational tool if you're going stealth, but it's still useful as a proof of a demonstration of that. They can actually detect malware. Cobalt strike three. Well, and I would say that some of it's also going to depend on the customer's uh, sec- like security maturity, like the, the maturity of their program, and the fact that you know, yeah, you could go through build completely custom C two channel, completely custom agent, completely custom everything, and like you very well might not get detected. But if you could also just deploy carbon black or not carbon black, if you deploy carbon black and not get detected, then Ransomable. yeah, you you don't need that. But if you could do uh, cobalt strike and not get detected. You're, what are you teaching them? Like you, you just went completely overboard. They have problems here that they need to fix, and then next time you come through, you can do a fully custom project. Yeah. So yeah, that's my hot take on it. Hot take. I mean, I will say they the Cobalt Strike people may have to change some of their narrative to be like it isn't necessarily the most advanced invasive <laughs> framework. When, when <laughs> either when is the new Cobalt Strike version coming out that's going to up the game or when is Cobalt Strike going to replace Metasploit as the, you know, kind I of... I mean, I would say at this point, honestly, going in, if you're trying to avoid detection, you're probably better with Meterpreter than you are with Cobalt Strike. <laughs> and I'm not kidding. I know, right? It's I'm brutal. not kidding. It's brutal. So this one's... This other article I got here is kind of right up our alley. Uh, I guess recently hackers got a database of hundreds of Ryzen employees 
right? And so the attack is pretty simple. They called up Verizon, convinced an employee that they were from internal support, and then the employee allowed them to RDP or, you know, just get some kind of remote desktop session. I don't know. It's probably TeamViewer. Who cares? On that system. And then they were able to access internal tools. And then they started scraping all of the information from that system, right? And then the hacker would like Verizon to pay a $250,000 as a reward, right? For this hack, right? They also taunted Verizon by saying that these employees are idiots. I mean, they're probably just doing their job. And they don't want to get fired. But either way, uh, yeah. What do you guys think? Link this article, Ralph, because you did not put it in the news. And poor Ryan's over here just digging for <laughs> it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Here it is. Here it is. Uh, it's a Vice article here. But yeah, what do you guys think? I mean, I will say, given the whole sim swapping ecosystem that we're in right now, I, I this is deeply concerning, depending yeah. on how much info there is. The phone number one especially is going to be bad. So for those that aren't in the loop or don't know what I'm talking about, SIM swapping is rampant for MFA bypass. That's basically the standard. It's been used to steal crypto wallets. It's been used to um, you know social engineer people, etc. But the vector for that is to social engineer or compromise these Verizon employee accounts that have the ability to change what SIM card a phone number is attributed to. Mm-hmm. And the Verizon is generally regarded as one of the more difficult ones to SIM swap. The charge for Verizon to SIM swap someone is much more expensive than it is for like T-Mobile or AT&T or other places, which is kind of an indicator of, yeah, there, there's a Darknet Diaries episode someone mentioned that is super in-depth about SIM swapping. But the 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 scary part is that if someone has a database or if everyone the worst case scenario everyone has a database of every employee at Verizon they can target them easily and call them directly and just the amount of social engineering attacks that can be executed using this database is so high that it's concerning to me so just the pure the high the number of people that will be able to social engineer Verizon employees given their phone numbers <laughs> is massive <laughs> yeah so yeah. that's my main concern here. It's on Verizon to either roll all those phone numbers. Like they could probably change everyone's corporate ID, everyone's phone number. Email address is way harder and just the number of phishing campaigns, but they already probably get a million phishing campaigns. So I guess so I have- basically, you know, I, basically I would say th- th- this is bad. You know, it's not no passwords, no like direct information that you could use to like log into their accounts but it just aids in, in yeah. social engineering it's just um, it's just intel to take yeah. later on in your next attack you know they're all little pieces of the puzzle and if you add enough of them together you can paint a very very you know uh, elaborate attack that you know they go how did you get this how did you get this and it's exactly. all little crumbs that you've been picking up save yeah someone said i'll I'll clear in chat said you can find them via linkedin that is kind of true that you can find the employees but finding their direct phone numbers phone numbers yeah it depends on what phone numbers were leaked uh if they're just like their corporate numbers it might not be that big of a deal because you could just dial in but if it's like their personal manager cell phone numbers and you're calling into some verizon store someone's personal phone that social engineering wise you can be like hey i'm over here with the customer uh i need to you know like there's so much social engineering (laughs) vector there because the assumption is how did you get this phone number right you know so that's it's, the concern so i had uh my own sim swapping story this weekend no i didn't go do any sim swapping but my uh my wife had to uh get her phone repaired like the back screen or whatever had cracked and so 
Um, I guess at the Apple store, they make you erase the entire phone and then they give you back what they say is a fixed phone, but maybe it's a new phone. It doesn't matter. But the thing about the SIM swapping is that, um, so now all the new phones support eSIMs, right? If you guys haven't heard of this, you don't actually have to put a physical SIM in a lot of the new devices anymore. You can use what they call an eSIM. And um, the benefit of this is actually uh, a big, a lot for the carriers. It's actually really, really popular with low budget carriers who want to onboard people without having to send them a SIM. So like, um, think postpaid customer, like, you know, you have a, a prepaid, a prepaid plan. I'm sorry, not a postpaid. Anyways, when I went to set up, uh, the phone, I needed to, it, my wife's phone didn't have a SIM and had an eSIM. So I had to move over to the new SIM. And so I went onto the T-Mobile website. And as soon as you log in, you can just add a new SIM, right? You can convert it over. And, uh, T-Mobile's protection is that they send you a text message when you type in that new eSIM number, they send a text message to the current phone number, right? Saying, hey, we're going to stop, swap this SIM or we're going to move to this new eSIM within like two hours, right? They'll, which is not that long, I guess, you know, depending on, you know, what you were doing. But I didn't want to wait two hours. So I tried it again. Immediately, it swapped the SIM over, right? By entering the eSIM a second time, it kind of like canceled it out, I guess. So I mean um, that's just in, that's honestly bug bounty that to T-Mobile because that's a disaster. <laughs> like that seriously, you should be wearing a T-Mobile shirt right now and report that. <laughs> I know we I know we're talking about this live on the news, so it's already yeah. out there. But seriously, like you should report that. I mean, there's a reason why T-Mobile is like the worst uh, or cheapest or whatever, however you want to define that, easiest to sim swap. Yeah. Um, and it sounds like this might be part of that. Yeah, that would be interesting. Now, I, I'm not exactly sure if that even but, the two even the two hour timeout is there's so many attacks. Like yeah, if you know if you know a person's going to be yeah. hiking, in, you're going to be hiking in the mountains for the next two hours. That do it yes, then because I'm not going to get know. the text right. Like, I know. But, or, okay, so the only thing I'll caveat with this with this story is that on my account I do have two factor and it is like enforced whatever. Like they make you either send a text message or whatever. Now I'm not saying that that's the it that is the end and that, there will never control. be an attack. I'm just it's saying that yeah. you know. It, it it's is compensating control. It is and compensating. Some, someone mentioned in chat, which is an interesting thing. Uh, White Cyberduck said a lot of websites only require phone numbers and a code that is sent to SMS, meaning there yes. is no password. It's not two FA. It's one factor, just one the code fa sent to your phone, um, <laughs> which I guess is kind of it's you something. Know, I, you, it, it's only something you have. It's yes. not something you know and something you have. But so yeah, I've gotten. I'm sure everyone else has probably spurious login like i got one from spotify that was like here's your code to log in but then in the email or the text they say like if this wasn't you just don't worry like <laughs> someone tried to log into your account just don't it's totally worry. fine no well what, is it totally fine because doesn't that mean your password possibly is compromised well, well no just your phone number no, that's what he's saying it, oh, oh you're saying it's like a, your phone number into their account yeah. too so. Yes. So basically like you, the, the login, and this is totally like we've failed at passwords and we've talked about this many times, like us as an infosec community, everyone passwords are failure. So basically what they do now is, Oh, you want to log into Spotify? Just type your phone number. We'll send you a text and you're in mm -hmm. done. Even Microsoft does it. Like there's a way for Microsoft to set up text or SMS based auth and have it bypass your password so that is a whole different can of worms but this is i guess if you work at verizon Cybersecurity, please either considering rolling these phone numbers or at the very least educate send a lot of information a lot of communication to your employees saying like we expect vastly increased social engineering attacks over the next 
you know, six months or whatever. If everyone has everyone else's direct line, but phone numbers are gold now. Yeah. I mean, phone numbers aren't, I mean, obviously they can be enumerated that there's a lot, it's similar to emails where you can, there's services you can pay that will tell you whether it's a landline, a, a text, you know, does it have FaceTime? Does it, where is it? Who owns it? All that stuff. But Still, if they're these Verizon internal numbers and they're rolling them, like having the direct line to an employee is a big, you know, not great. For sure. So that's an interesting article. Thanks for tossing that in there, Ralph. Yep. Yep. So do we want to talk about ransomware? We don't talk about about the fake or real. We don't know. Mandiant ransomware. Yeah. So I guess in our ransomware roundup or whatever we want to call it or hit list <laughs> or, you know, a, <laughs> newest developments from the w- ransomware sector. Yeah. The, uh, the RIP we're going to put on the gravestone. So, um, I guess multiple flights press India grounded after the space jet or excuse me, spice jet, uh, <laughs> airlines is spice. Jet. It's real. I guess it's a real airline. They were ransomware attacked and flights were grounded. So yeah, I guess, uh, ransomware is still a thing. Um, was there another? I think it I just I says hundreds of people. If the article's in India and it's only hundreds of people, it wasn't too bad. I guess not. Because I mean, <laughs> the population is what two point five billion or something. Yeah, <laughs> I haven't I haven't rode on SpiceJet. Um, so yeah, the quote is: "While our IT team has, to a large extent, contained and rectified the situation, you got to lead with the positives. Yeah. This has had a cascading on our. <laughs> this has had a cascading effect on our flights, leading to delayed." They are yeah. in touch with experts and cr- cybercrime authorities. So, yeah, they tweeted and confirmed the ransomware attack. Um, you know, it's, it's kind of funny because, all right, so just to broaden this out a little bit and not to just, like, harp on, like, all the usual ransomware stuff we talked about. But, um, you know, a, a lot of industries are, you know, taking note about this. But, you know, the attackers are just spreading out to, like, the, you know, the smaller ones, the, you know, the, the helpless that are, don't care or don't listen to anything security. They don't even have a security team, possibly, right? You know, they've got three jets. I don't know if they have. No, this is so. It, it's funny we made that joke and we were totally wrong because it says that they're the second largest carrier in India based on number of <laughs> domestic passengers. Perfect. <laughs> they have twelve million passengers a month. So yeah, we were super wrong. Six hundred flights a day on average. Oh god. Um, they've also apparently been. So they probably have a security they, team. They've been re- uh, breached and and lo- leaked before. So it also is a yeah. I mean, who knows? I guess we can speculate wildly about why this would have taken, what would have happened. Did they do like a rolling reboot or something? Yeah, like, did you always reboot it first? Like he says cascading specifically in the <laughs> in the message. So like, is that, did they like take their domain controllers offline? What do they do? I'm wondering like. The domain controllers for the planes. Yes, they all run uh, Windows. Each plane Server gets 2000. its own. Each plane gets its own trust zone. Yeah, <laughs> when it lands, it has to resync back up. It has. It's a bi-directional trust between planes. Don't worry about it. Yes, don't even ask any questions about that. So, I mean, we're speculating here. There's not a confirmed debrief, at least not that we have in front of us. But it seems like they mostly contain the spread of the attack, and most if not all of the interruptions were based on their response, not based on the actual ransomware. Because if it was based on the actual ransomware, they probably wouldn't be back up in three hours and 45 minutes. So maybe they just took, and this is honestly a good thing uh, about their cybersecurity program. If they were willing to take this hit in the PR department for the cybersecurity benefit of either taking egress offline or whatever they did, we don't know. Um, it could be an example of you have to say, are we going to be down for four hours or are we going to be down for two days? 
or five days, which I think, in, you know, if that was the call they made, they made the right call. I'd rather, as a cybersecurity professional, be get in trouble for taking down, you know, flights to for security reasons, but then ultimately the people's data is safe and you don't have to pay out and all that stuff. Plus delays happen anyway, so whatever. Sure. Well, and I mean, you, as the security personnel, if you if you go down for two days due to ransomware, you're still the one that get yelled at, so you might as well take the three hours of downtime and yeah, I agree. It'll be interesting to see if some write-ups or debriefs come out about how they... I mean, I'm assuming if they did respond this well, they're going to brag about it, right? So, mm. Regretfully, ransomware is still a thing. Just wait for next week. I'm sure it'll be somebody else big and um, or small. We don't know. Fun stuff. It might be Mandian. I mean, that's still just waiting. <laughs> <laughs> it's in the hopper? <laughs> that one's like... It, it's loading. It's lo- still loading. It's the uh, it's the AOL here of uh, ransomware attacks. Um, <laughs> so, uh, uh, other fun news. Uh, I feel like this was the original. What do you call it? COVID nineteen security scare, which is uh, Zoom bombing. Uh, there's a zero click. Was was okay. It was patched. Zero click Zoom bug allows remote or allows code execution by just sending a message. So uh, I guess. Uh, again, I'm going to say the big guns at uh, Google Project Zero uncovered a attack path that would allow a RCE. And actually, so Zoom uses um, X or XMPP for the messaging protocol, and it's XM, XML-based. And in uh, short, you can send, if you send the right messaging tag, you can smuggle data inside of there, which in turn you can get to execute. There were th- four? four CVEs. So, um, of course, XML parsing issues, right? There was a update package downgrade, insignificant hostname validation, and improper constrained session. Fun stuff. Really cool bug. Really interesting write-up, I'm sure. Yeah, no, I'm sure Project definitely, Zero. Definitely, if you're a vulnerability researcher kind of person, definitely worth digging into that Project Zero post because the number of, like... You know vulnerabilities and things they changed chained together here to get this is crazy. So yeah, it's six uh, bugs. You have to chain six CVEs together, which has got to be some kind of record. <laughs> I, su- I don't know if you had to chain them all together to get that one to work. I-, I have no idea, but I will say this: related to that, and for you know me picking on Zoom or everyone picking on Zoom in the uh, COVID nineteen uh, pandemic intro, where Zoom bombing and every other security thing about Zoom had to be tested. Um, and some of it rightfully so. Zoom is now paid out more than 1.8 million in bug bounties 20, or 2021, right? So um, they're paying out for their... their I mean, that's that honestly good, especially bit. since they are, their stock kind of took a hit after yep. everyone's like, wait, we still have offices again? Oh, crap. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, what what is the vector for this, right? So... The vector is you have to be able to send someone a Zoom message. There's no like public messaging in Zoom, right? Like you can't just like message an arbitrary Zoom person. This would have to be someone you were in a meeting with, right? Yeah, you would have to be in a meeting, but you could, yeah, you get some code execution, right? But 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 it's not hard to get into a Zoom meeting with someone. I mean, it's used by salespeople all over the place. Who wants to be in a salesperson? Not me. I mean, that's a good start, though. I mean, their passwords gotta be. The, yeah. the, the well, attack vector is also like, don't forget about webcasts I mean, or other high publicity invent, events. Yeah, where you have dude, five, what if you just zoomed everyone with a text message in like a Zoom webcast? 
If you hit me Thousands with this on a webcast, I, I respect you, but I also don't <laughs> like you. No, I, I'm just saying, like, you know, you walk into RSA, you say, I'm deeply interested in your machine learning, agentless, serverless code, yeah. and uh, I'd love to have a meeting to talk about this. And they give you a Zoom link, and boom, you're in. And now you have all that IP. I mean, true, but now you have a beacon on a sales guy and exfiltrate two terabytes of useless information about spreadsheets. But yeah. Yeah, I mean, you're right. It's not, it, the vector is relatively easy to get someone into a Zoom. There's also ways like, there, some people have like public public Zoom redirectors or public uh, signups like Calendly is one where you can just go on someone's calendar and request a meeting. Like, I'm looking for a job. Can I have a meeting? There's a lot of vectors there. As, as Another Noah option has, would be yeah. HR. Just like make a job application. If they, no, if just you be know like, I have to report. Interviews. I have something to report. Well, yeah, there's that too. But or if you just do like a job, I'm just thinking like there's automated systems that you can totally take advantage of that will set up this meeting, you know? And if you're not like restricting access to the messages, I mean, now that it's patched, it's not such a thing. But if you're not restricting access to like put messages in, it'll just automatically set up a Zoom meeting half the time it'll set one up and you can get into the lobby and just wait for someone to show up. Right. Yeah. I mean, the, the vector, I mean, it's been fixed now. No action needed. Patch your Zoom. Uh, I mean, patch your Zoom. Or, or update your Zoom, which it does auto update, I think, in some cases, but not always. So definitely go and manually update your Zoom clients. Um, does it have OS? Does it have like an OS um, restriction? Does it have to be? I assume the lib is shared between all OSs. Yeah, I, I think you're just going to be able to execute. So like if you knew or you could have it run a, you know, a Unix-based command and a Windows-based command. So. so yeah, it has to be, you need to make everyone make sure you're on version 5.10.4 of the Zoom client or newer. Yep, yep. There was another one here too. I, I, I honestly feel like we've Twitter talked- Twitter paid $150 million fine. Which? What? what go. Is that is that what one you were going to talk about? Yeah, I... they got they got you know since we already talked about Daddy Elon buying Twitter, uh, old um, Daddy, they have the they have apparently paid out 150 million dollar fine for using two factor login details to target users with ads. Oh yes, yes. So they used they collected people's alternate phones and emails like and then sold them and th- well <laughs> yeah. And then, yeah, sold them to... Sold them to sim swappers. I made that up. No, they, they did not sell them to sim swappers, but they did <laughs> use them. prove that they did not, though. <laughs> they did. They violated the U.S. FTC Act. Um, so it basically says that they deceived users about the extent to which Twitter maintained and protected the security and privacy of users' non-public contact information. And this is why Elon... That's probably why Elon wants back out. Also, yeah. this is in 2011. So, or no, 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 no. This is a prior. No, this, no, no, okay. no, no, no. They violated the act. They uh, <laughs> they violated. Well, no, they actually they've paid it. <laughs> they've done a lot of settlements. <laughs> it, it looks like they, it looks like they violated the settlement that they they've, made in 2011 as well. They, they, oh they my did. god! They so they violated. We said we weren't going to do it, and this then we hun- did it this again. This fine covers the May 2013 to September 2019. <laughs> oh my! But god. they've also paid out previous. State settlements as well for beautiful the same thing honestly is... i'm kind of impressed that they weren't able to just lobby their way out of this but yeah maybe it costs more for the lobbyists than uh... 150 mil dude that's a lot i mean i don't know what a lot is to these companies so i guess it's kind of funny because so here's the here's the thing that's kind of frustrating so you're a user you were sold by twitter for a massive amount of money 
And then the fine just goes to who? The FTC? What are they going to do with it? Buy golden toilets for their field office? <laughs> like, it doesn't go to you. You don't get any money back. Golden toilets well, for the field office? What is the I'm FTC? I'm a victim of this, and what do I get? What? Yeah, exactly. Free, like Free credit monitoring for a year. From, from the FTC? Yeah, That's I mean, the I don't FTC know. retirement watch is a golden toilet? I honestly have no <laughs> idea what they're going to do. Like, what happens to this money? I honestly don't know, but $150 million has got deposited into someone's bank account. And I, I like, you know, the FTC's bank account or whoever, or the DOJ, like I, the users are still just, they had their data sold for six years or whatever and get nothing for it. Nothing. So it's totally, I mean, if you ever thought anyone was on your side, they're no not. No one's on your side. That's why I just sell my own data. <laughs> yeah contact I if you'd like to buy all of my own advertisement data I, he's I, his I own data broker list. just yeah. ask just i, I, ask just, I just go into there i provide like a text file full of things that i like things i don't like you know here's all my here's my birthday and various information if you're interested in buying reach out to me <laughs> so yeah i mean someone on twitch said the 150 million seems like a light fine for what they did i mean it is 20 percent of their revenue or 20 percent of their income for the year which is a decent chunk but then when you think about the violation was over the course of six or six or so years you know it goes down to what what is 20 divided by six whatever that is a smaller chunk of their total profit and revenue but Contact Noah if you want to buy his data. There's an open yeah, bidding yeah. war. It's a negotiation. Like, Currently, the high bid is two dollars. Yeah. What is your uh, two dollars? Tele- no, your your information is deeply. He only right? negotiates on Telegram, and he only takes tornado cash. No, no. What I'm going to do is I'm going to send you a Zoom meeting invite. Just accept that, and we'll have a negotiation there. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Sounds good. Uh, so I have another one. Uh, another this- one. Another one. And another one. This is a uh, bleeping computer. I guess this is like it feels like a uh, a uh, what do you call it attack from Microsoft on Android here. But Microsoft found severe bugs in Android apps from large mobile providers. Well, because after uh, all, Microsoft is the authority on mobile OSs. Well, so wait up, uh, wait up, because don't forget that uh, Microsoft is integrating Android apps into Windows 11, correct? Yes, that so is correct. So that's probably where this comes yes, from. Now that it's integrated into their OS, they're like, now that we've done this, we should There's <laughs> like, <laughs> now that this is complete, we should probably look into this. So I guess it was four CVEs in the mobile framework. Uh, frameworks for a lot of these development environments are becoming more and more common to speed up development and allow you to you know get where you want to go faster. And they, uh, by this framework is uh, by MCE Systems, and it was exposing users to command injection and privilege escalation attacks on the Android or you know on the mobile device, right? So wait, hold on. Okay, this has nothing to do with Windows. This is just the Microsoft 365 Defender Research Team, which is yes. just smart people that Microsoft happens to be paying yes. to research general vulnerabilities. Yeah, no. So I, it, there's no there's no actual angle between Microsoft and Android. Oh, there's that, totally an angle. But, even though we made it up, but it's funny. Yeah, but yeah. no, there's there's always an angle. Corey. There's nothing, always an nothing angle. Else, they'd be like, hey, I think there's an issue over here. Like, yes, go look at that right now. So they were fixed, but hold on. Let's bring up the debate. Uh, Android is insecure. That's the, the debate. And well, <laughs> I, I wouldn't say that. That's I why say... I use my Windows phone. Yes. I, yes. Yes. But no, Windows 11 say, for phone. I, I think basically that what this shows, if you if you dig into the vulnerability, right, it's a specific thing, a specific f- mobile framework owned mm-hmm. by MCE Systems, which yeah. 
who knows where that comes from? The supply chain vector is huge on Android because there's so many devices, there's so many frameworks, there's so many apps. Currently, all the apps are allowed um, in the Google Play Store and, and enabled. It's, and it's not centralized. I mean, Google Play Store is one app store. It's not even like, it, it's probably the most popular app store, but there is other like equally popular app store, especially for other countries. And, and side loading is not on that uncommon. I mean, uh, heck, Epic was having you side load the Fortnite mobile app onto your phone if right. you wanted to play it on Android. Like, it's not that uncommon to like to have instructions about how to side load and everything else. It's the freedom and the curse of Android. There's no doubt about that. Yeah. So basically, if you're on Android, make sure you're not running one of these apps. Make sure that you are only running sources that you're not side loading. You're running Google sources. And also, Google, get your stuff together when it comes to these security checks because it says the apps are passing Google Play Protect automatic security checks. So, but uh, but how many times do we see Google Play Protect like allowing bank banking Trojan malware? I, I well, wouldn't say we've Google Play Protect is really this... something I want to bet my you know personal security on honestly i, I <laughs> yeah I, and I mean, i'm not even against side loading so much as like if you're side loading an app though you better be dang sure that you know where it's coming from and that you actually trust that you you should be looking at the source just like we were talking about with the hacking tools oh. you know if you're side loading you should be building that yourself i mean i mean uh, and we've talked uh, about it on the show of, of of banking trojans being in games and other things that just weren't checked properly because unlike apple which has an insanely aggressive stance like with apple you have to update your app every like six months or else it just gets taken off the store even if there's no changes like <laughs> apple's like we had some artisanal johnny ive type guy print off every line of code and print it on glass and look at it and look at a spreadsheet like it, you know it's very much more in depth whereas google is more just like eh, whatever works well apple i mean in order to get your app on the store it has to get reviewed and then approved to go on the store like Google does, like it'll let you put it to the store, and it's then automatic. It, right? it takes it down. You know, it's default allow versus default right. deny. Yeah, I mean the other thing about the the Android and and like the thing about mobile is in what makes it so difficult is like if you let's say you just flew to a new city and you need to park, and the only way to pay for parking is you know you have to get this app called parking kitty which is like the one in portland but like there's a thousand <laughs> apps there's a thousand apps kitty. that you need for stupid things that yes. are like total i'm vectors. so sick of 14 apps that, to do like all quite everything quickly, or not just to like mention an electrum games. app anyhow like you oh can just God. be a website it's it, yes, like please like stop putting websites in apps you do not need that if for anyone here who's like <laughs> i should write an app if it could be a website, make it a website. But it notifies me when my parking session's going to expire. Nobody so, cares. I'm so sick of opening my phone and the app just to unlock my refrigerator. It's horrible. Right. I know. Dude, <laughs> child lock, child safety locks. Yeah. I mean, basically, that's why these vectors are applicable. Like on Windows, you'd be like, well, don't run, you know, VLC version 2.0 or like, you know, mm -hmm run the most recent version but on mobile it's so hard to keep track and it's hard to Ugh. you know the side loading thing and all that so interesting bug i mean it is i will say side side note side side it is actually really good that microsoft is publishing and hiring people that they allow to actually speak publicly about vulnerabilities because this is like not really in their dna for a long time microsoft would like hey you're a good security researcher come over here and then they'd be like all right you will never you will never tweet again like yeah. <laughs> so it's good that you, they're all you will never talk 
napkin. <laughs> <laughs> it's good they're allowing that office, the smart people on that research team to publish this stuff. I mean, obviously, it's kind of blow for blow. I'm sure Pro Project Zero now will have to drop a... Uh, yeah, no, this is it. They're like security teams in a PR It's like a press, showdown. You know? It's like a showdown. Who's going to drop the better Zero Day? You know, Project Zero now is like, we have seven CVEs chained together on Microsoft. Yeah, and we have Zero in our name. We're better. <laughs> yeah, oh man so that's an interesting one too yeah all right guys apparently ian got so many buzzwords that he just couldn't make it back. i know i was gonna say ian uh i think actually he's probably trapped in a booth that's just glass and uh, he's trying to find is there money flying around in there yeah <laughs> <laughs> there's money and glass and he's trying to break out and it's a no the single pane has. of glass is getting him down yes yes and the buzzwords are holding him back uh, yeah, I think the buzzwords could be blocking the internet connection in there. Yeah, yeah. So for everyone else who's at RSA, enjoy the buzzwords, enjoy the glass. And if you're selling buzzwords and glass, enjoy the sales. Hopefully you can solve all of our problems with AI or whatever else you guys are doing. But um, yeah. Thanks everyone uh, for coming. Yeah, yeah. Thanks everyone for stopping by. Uh, we will be back again next Monday. I don't think we have any more holidays. And we will possibly have a weather forecast again. Ian might join. We might have some more guests. You never know. John might stop by. He's elusive, but he does show up. And uh, yeah, we will uh, hopefully have some more ransomware or not have some more ransomware. I don't know. We'll probably have some more ransomware. Um, but we'll see you guys next week. And thanks for stopping by. Bye. Later, guys. See you. Good job, team.